you've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. 921 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers? Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. It is mind-blowing. And heartbreaking. How many original scripts are written every year but are never made? So we seek out these scripts and bring them to life with full audio production and professional actors. Check us out at Undiscover Scripts. Movies made of paper. Wherever you get your podcasts. Free! are tackling a song that fun fact this is something i've never i don't think i've ever told you this i was at starbucks a year ago Mm -hmm. randomly listening to polka party great and this song was playing in my car and i thought god this is such a great song i feel like no one knows it because people only know the popular Weird Al songs. Yes. I wish that there was a Weird Al podcast that <laughs> really? covered... Uh, this was the song wow. that made me decide that I wanted to start this podcast. <laughs> was was Dog Eat Dog off of Polka Party. And the problem with this is that I like this song so much, but I also feel like I have very little to say about this song. <laughs> Well, yeah, you know what's interesting? It is a like Dare to be Stupid, the song Dare to be Stupid. This is a style parody that is so flawless that it yes. is kind of stunning. It doesn't have the I mean, it it wasn't I it doesn't hold the the gravitas and the weight of Dare to be Stupid for me. I don't totally know why, but it is maybe it's cuz there's not the video and all this other sort of just like nostalgia for me attached to it like there is the song dare to be stupid but this is yet another just absolutely astonishing style parody this is fantastic i i'm gonna ask i'm not gonna ask this every week i promise yes but last week you had mentioned that when you saw al in concert he performed one song off of polka party and said it was his favorite song even though it was on his worst album was this the song of of course it was yeah it had to i was like it had to have been yeah And, (laughs) and and they it's amazing i was so glad to hear it live it's incredible no this is one of those you know like we said about dare to be stupid how it's such a good style parody and it is funny but it's not a comedy song in this and it, it just feels like 
this could easily be a Talking Heads song. Yeah. Like, this was on a Talking Heads record, nobody would be like, oh, they did a goofy song. Like, no, this is just what they do. 1,000%. And uh, So here is the little wiki breakdown that they had of this song. Uh, Dog Eat Dog is a style parody of the Talking Heads. Um, described as a tongue-in-cheek look at office life, the song was inspired by Al's past experiences working in the mailroom and traffic department at Westwood One Studios. He noted that at first he thought the job was kind of cool because he had a phone and a desk and a little cubicle to call his own, but after a while, he felt like his soul had been sucked out of him. The song features a line that directly parodies Talking Heads once in a lifetime, where he says, sometimes I tell myself this is not my beautiful stapler, sometimes I tell myself this is not my beautiful chair. This mirrors a similar line in the song and you may tell yourself this is not my beautiful house you may tell yourself this is not my beautiful wife but again that all what you were saying is true like the same way that dare to be stupid hits on so much of what the devo ethos is that we are getting dumber and de-evolving at a regular basis talking heads has so many songs that are about like this this emotion that doesn't get talked about enough of like numbness towards life yeah. like life just literally passing you by that is literally what once in a lifetime is about is like yeah you blinking your eye and your life you've aged 10 years and you're like in this entirely different experience but you still feel like your childhood was like right behind you like it Absolutely. it hits all those notes and i don't know if i'm gonna i'm gonna assume and Please correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm going to assume that given that you dropped out of college, joined a band, and pretty much have <laughs> steadily been performing in a band, that you haven't had to really deal with like the soul-crushingness of seven years at a desk job like I have. Yeah, I've never had an office job. Yeah. I've never had an office job. I've had I've worked in and out of retail. I talked about running a record store and I had a couple like, you know, oddball jobs in my teenage years. I used to work at yeah. Radio Shack. Nice. Yeah. An office job is absolutely like when you when I listen to Once in a Lifetime, I do think of the seven years that I spent in that office job because exactly as Al said, there's this point where it feels cool. You have this like private little cubicle that's like all your own and you decorate it with like whatever you want and like you know, there's free food in the ki- in the kitchen. And yeah. like, you know, we were kind of a techie place. So it was like, oh, we have this arcade cabinet that has like a million games and like you know, you're like, hang it. It doesn't feel like you're at work. It feels like you're hanging out. And then next thing you know, it's been seven years. And you're like, what the fuck did I do yeah. with the last seven years of my life? Yeah, like, no, it, it's this idea of like celebrating monotony. Yes. <laughs> as um, as if it was, you know, it's pitched to you as the American dream. And like, aren't you lucky that you have this amazing job where you can provide for yourself, but it is the most soul-crushing monotony, I don't know what I do here. Yeah, exactly, where the time has gone, what this is. And and that's, Al does it as well. That's a very Talking Heads thing, again, like this celebration of Talking Heads have entire songs written about lamps and objects, and, uh, and you know, Al channels that perfectly. It's also something that Al is interested in as well. Clearly, he was just a fan of this band. But yeah, no, the idea of like an entire song all about it's a love letter to something no one could possibly love. Yeah, it's a love letter, but but even more so than that, right? Like, because, like, my Bologna, the comedy is that it is a genuine love letter to his right. love of Bologna. Right. 
I feel like this one, and maybe it's helped out by the amazing instrumentation throughout this entire song, because the instrumentation in this song is fucking phenomenal, yeah. right? But it's almost scary. You know what I mean? Like, it's almost like you're in a severance-type world where exactly it's like, that. like, it's this spacey idea. So even just the first verse, leading in the first two verses leading in the chorus, where it's like, I found a job in a great big office, and I really love this place. I've got my own scotch tape dispenser. I've got my own private parking space. And I've got a coffee mug with my name right on it in big, bold letters so everyone knows it's mine. Don't even touch it because it doesn't belong to you. I'm watching you, so don't get funny. <laughs> like, yeah. there, But there is, like, I have watched those arguments. I've watched people fight over if someone used a coffee oh, yeah. mug that they always use. Like, it is it is crazy the meticulous things that that become like obsessions all, with people. All those there. office related things, yeah. Well, and then the the following verse of the uh, trying to sneak extra jelly donuts and hoping that nobody notices. Um, yeah, it's it's. Uh, I, I mean, I also just. I mean, the lyrics to this song are so 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 good. The satire. The I love to watch my boss get angry so I can count the veins in his neck. Every yeah. day is like a picnic. Every Friday, get a check. Yeah, it's like it's, like it is. It is a really, really impressive uh, satire of just what it means to be a, like a working class American or a yeah. white collar working class American. Specifically, this this uh, sort of environment that uh, people have to survive and navigate socially and professionally at the same time. Yeah, and and uh, it's similar to with Dare to Be Stupid. Like Al is nailing every. Every aspect yeah. of Talking Heads. Steve J is absolutely slaying the bass on this song. It's insane. It's, it's fantastic. It, it's it's such a like dare to be stupid. It's this amazing thing of we're gonna just compare it to that a lot. Although let's also let's like end like Mr. Popeil, right? The yeah. idea of he has yeah. taken the entire Talking Heads. He's taken like a decade of Talking Heads music and managed to cram it into this one ball of influence it's wild like from a musical perspective the intro the guitar lick and the intro of the song is very much like and she was yes. their song the groove of it is very uh once in a lifetime which of course yeah. also as you mentioned has the lyrical the this is not my beautiful stapler line which is a direct reference to that but it's just yeah there are influences all over it and all the way down to the live clips where if you haven't uh I, well funny enough this also popped up in the um it's popped up in other videos of his of him wearing the large suit like david byrne and stop making sense yeah that's in uhf right is it uhf that he's you see a shot of him wearing that so here's a fun thing that i've been realizing with polka party we only got these two music videos for this for this album and as much as i love christmas at ground zero i would say that they are two fairly forgettable music videos from i mean from honestly this album yeah we can get into it later but christmas at ground zero like it's an official music video but it is basically just a hodgepodge of stock footage that they put together they I, it's well it's really well done but it is again we've talked before about like especially at this time it seems like al per album has one music video budget and one where it's like here's here's yeah. 50 bucks good luck yeah and so the reason why i'm mentioning do. the reason why i'm mentioning those music videos is because yes when we get the uhf music video 
then we're getting the talking heads visual. We're getting the Robert Palmer visual. Like a lot of the stuff that's on this album that would have been a great video fodder, it seems got pushed aside until they could do something like UHF, which wasn't a specific style of anybody. So they could reference all of these other artists. All the references, yeah. It's a shame. I mean, how great a video could someone make to this song trust me if you search yeah. on youtube you'll find some people oh there's some fan made videos i did see there's a few good <laughs> fan made videos of this track yeah but it's just i mean it's all there it's it's a very i mean you can you can see the video in your head when you listen to the yeah. song you could yeah. literally make a music video for this song just using clips from office space you know what i mean like i feel like this song yeah captures so much of what Mike Judge was trying to warn us about in Office Space. But I I also, we we talked about the bass, but on Al's part of things, nailing David's voice perfectly and the flourishes that he's throwing in there with the keyboard and with the weird like background noises that are happening. Like this has, this feels so, you said it right out the gate. This feels so at home on a Talking Heads record. Oh my God, it, it would be, it, yeah, if the Talking Heads performed this song and put it on a record, nobody would think. That's what's so interesting about Al in this context. It's the same, again, it's not, as much as it feels at home on an Al record, this is not a comedy song. If you look at it on its own, if you just have this, like, a separate thing, it's just not that funny. And I don't mean that as an insult at all. It's what is sort of funny and delightful about it is how much he absolutely nails it. Yeah. No, he crushes it on this. This is this is one of the shining examples of like an owl original. I don't have a like I said, there's not a ton to say about this song because it it is so good, but I don't know if he ever really tackles the talking heads again after this and it's obvious, I think, from the conversation that we're fans, but but let's talk a little bit about the Talking Heads. I'm assuming you are a Talking Heads fan as much as I am. Yeah. I, I was referencing Al doing the David Byrne suit from Stop Making Sense. Um, Stop Making Sense, the concert film, is, I still would say, I think has to be the greatest concert film ever made by anybody. Uh, um, it is it, incredible, incredible, it incredible things. What I would argue is the best performance of Psycho Killer, the yes. version that kicks off that movie with just the the like cassette tape drum beat repeating while he plays mm-hmm. a loose guitar, is insane. It's yeah the the things that they were able to do, you know, they fall into that category of uh, literally on on Krista makes one of their like Patreon episodes was about new wave music and discussing new Mm -hmm. wave and how this was like a title that was kind of thrust upon anything that was coming out in the eighties that was even remotely electronic. And, and obviously that means that talking heads definitely got roped into that genre, but you know, similar to what we said with Devo, like talking heads was that proto punk art rock band of like the seventies that took everything that set early seventies punk music was and just made it so much more sophisticated and interesting with the way that they presented it after the fact. Yeah, no, it, 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 they are just an unbelievably important and special band. Nobody sound Again, another thing I love to say about these bands that Al likes to reference and study this way, like nobody sounds like the Talking Heads. They haven't no. before, they haven't since. They are like just a singular band. 
Um, and that's I said that about Devo. I said that about the B-52s. Um, and there's a reason why I think Al is drawn to these types of acts, because it's like, I feel the same thing, which is like you hear something like that and a part of you just wants to be like, how are they doing this? How is it possible that they are this incredibly specific sounding while also still fitting into pop culture and the pop world in that time? Yeah, no, I mean, it's if you have not, it's funny because like I'm obviously like a huge music person. And I know for a lot of people who maybe aren't, the idea of sitting down and watching a concert film feels like not something that you would do. Stop making sense as a film. It's directed by Jonathan Demme. It is. It's fantastic. It's absolutely incredible. It's visually incredible. It actually progresses like it is just a concert. So there's not a story, but it plays out. I almost don't even want to spoil it. Like it, it, there is an almost like a visual narrative to the stage show that is just incredible. And then on top of that, it is just like some of the most flawlessly performed music. It, it is like an incredible, incredible experience. I have shown it to so many people in my life because it's so important to me. A, a life-changing thing when I saw well, Stop Making Sense. Well, and we we talked about this with the Dare to be Stupid episode that you can tell that Al is a legitimate Devo fan. And I think the, the thing that I keep seeing time and time and time again is just like, I think that Al's taste in music is very similar to my taste in music in the sense yeah. of he likes... He likes those artists who are willing to push so hard against what like a mainstream sounding band sounds like. And yeah. maybe it was you that mentioned this or past guest, but didn't a past guest even mention that like the food album on like the side jacket has a talking heads reference. Cause it says like more songs about television and food or something along those lines. Like it's not the food album. It's, um, it's the vinyl. Actually, I think it's on this record. I think it is in the Dead Wax. So on vinyl, when the groove is gone in the center, like by the label, there's an area called Dead Wax. And you yeah. can put like the catalog number in the matrix. And I think on Polka Party, in the Dead Wax, it says it's etched into the wax more songs about TV and food. Yeah. Which that's... is a direct reference to the Talking Heads album, more songs about buildings and food. Yeah. Um, it's so, yeah. I mean, that's that's a deep cut fan yeah. reference oh yeah, because, yeah yeah no that's big because that's not even i that is not if you're if you're like a even a casual talking heads fan like more songs about buildings and food is not one of the albums that you're thinking of like you're thinking Pro- of like remain not. in the light yeah. you're thinking of 77 like they have these these albums that had a ton of big hits and that one it was really just take me to the river was like mm-hmm. the only single off that album, especially compared to like Remain in the Light, Fear of Music, yeah. um, and you know even True Stories. Not that True Stories had a ton of hits, but it had such a memorable cover. To yeah, it of, it's true. Like, but uh, let me ask you. Here's here's a quick question. Do you have, as impossible as it might be, a favorite Talking Heads song? A favorite Talking Heads song. Yeah. Oh boy. I'm I mean no. Like you, I love the live version of Psycho Killer from the top of Stop Making Sense is amazing. Um yeah. if I have a single favorite um I really love Life During Wartime. Um, I was literally that was the one I was thinking. I was thinking of that and one other song that I want to bring up to bring it back to Dog Eat Dog actually. But um continue. yeah, uh Life During Wartime is incredible. 
once in a lifetime, as much as it gets talked about, I think is one of those examples of like, um, a song that has no business being a hit because of how strange it is, but is just so undeniably flawlessly written and, and put together that it's like, you can't help but love it. And then the other one I was going to say is um, Naive Melody, This Must Be The Place. Okay. Which is, so uh, yeah, also a beautiful, beautiful, that's the one I was talking about. That's like his uh, a love letter to a lamp is how he describes yeah. it. I uh, So Life During Wartime is a, is, I mean, this ain't no party. This ain't no disco. Like, that's yeah. just so catchy. But the song that I actually forgot about until I heard it in a TV show recently is Pulled Up. Oh, um, yeah. Off that's their a good debut one. album. And Pulled Up, as I'm thinking about it, almost feels like a precursor to Dog Eat Dog. You know sure. what I mean? Like, it is, a, you know, it's like, Mommy, Daddy, come look at me now. I'm a big man in a great big town. Like, it's it's this, like, celebration. Again, a celebration of the mundane. Like, yeah. I've I've got I've moved out of the house. You know what I mean? Like that's essentially what the song is about. Yeah. And now this is the next evolution of it. Like, look at how great I'm doing climbing this corporate ladder at this job that brings me no real joy. Yes. And another <laughs> side note, which we didn't get into on the lyrics that I really love about this song is the chorus of the song is I'm climbing up the corporate ladder. Watch out, it's doggy dog. Nose against the grindstone, but it feels all right. It's doggy dog. The lyrics, that's the chorus. The verses make no indication that this person is actually climbing any sort of ladder. <laughs> no. <laughs> Which I love as a little very subtle thing. Like, it's the idea, again, talking about the satire and the, the messaging of this song. Like, the idea is always supposed to be for people, like, put your time in, sit at that desk, do a good job, and eventually you'll climb that ladder. Yeah. But for so many people, that is just, that's a myth. That's a way to Whoa. keep you in that chair. I and mean, this guy from from the beginning of the song, yeah, it's he says he's climbing the ladder, but by the end of the song, he is bragging about how he's bending paper clips into the shapes of animals. You know, I made a big mistake. Where's my liquid paper? Yeah, no, this person is not climbing any ladder. No, that's for and sure. Is, so, so this is the other element of this song that's worth talking about. Is not so much that this show wouldn't exist without this piece of it, but you know. I am a full-time freelance podcaster, and yeah. I didn't expect that to be the case. I was working at a job for seven years that I enjoyed, um, and I had, quote-unquote, worked my way up the corporate ladder. I went from a dude answering telephones to like being second in command at the QA department, mm -hmm. and then we got bought out by a different company, and I got immediately tossed right back into the phones. Yeah. And for two and a half years, there was this promise of this is just a temporary thing until we can figure out a, a position for you. Yeah. And that position was never going to come. It was never going to be created. I, I very quickly realized that. And that's when I was like, I don't have to do this. Like, I can no. do the podcasting thing. But 100%, there was at least a year and a half that I was still chasing that bone <laughs> in that dog-eat-dog -dog world that I was going to exactly. get back to where I was on that ladder when every person that was dangling that bone was very aware that they were never going to give me another position like that. Sure. And, <laughs> so, and as is in the song, the idea of, from the corporate perspective, having people in a position where they are arguing about coffee mugs and offer arguing about jelly donuts and that that is the drama that keeps them going, that's how you fuel those people to stay in that position. It yes. makes them feel like there's there's more going on than there actually is. It's, it's it's dark. This, this is some dark stuff we're talking about here. Honestly, it is. We are well. There's there's this idea of so. I'm not trying to bum anybody out. 
Yep, let's do it. We're here. <laughs> but there's some Everybody, of you that are probably sitting at your computer desk at work listening to this episode. The reality is that they've done studies and they've proven that it is more cost efficient to say st- make sure a fridge is constantly filled with sodas that are free to the employees mm-hmm. and to once a month buy them pizzas and that someone would be willing to take as much as a $15 an hour pay cut to what their work is worth under the guise that they are being gifted these free sodas and this pizza that doesn't cost the actual corporation nearly as much as it would be to actually pay the employees the fair wages <laughs> that they've worked for <laughs> like that is how fucked up the corporate world actually is and i again was like hey we got video games we got pizza we got sodas <laughs> like sure let's do this yeah it, it never dawned on me that it's like man i'm doing a lot of work for under 20 dollars an hour right now like yeah just never even was a flicker in my brain at it because i'm like look at all this free shit <laughs> so yeah, it's keep that I mean, in mind, listeners. It's, it's grim. Yeah, keep that in mind, listeners with horrible lives. <laughs> <laughs> I hope your favorite Friday morning podcast is really cheering you up on your drive to work. You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network. 921 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers? Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. Hey, do you have an idea for a podcast but don't know where to start? Or do you have an already existing podcast that you want to take to the next level? Well, check out WeKnowPodcasting.com. From concept development to theme music to editing to logos, WeKnowPodcasting.com is a one-stop shop for all things pod. Don't hesitate to hit us up. We're very nice. All right, let's do some rankings, though. (laughs) I mean, all joking aside, if you're listening to this podcast from an office job that makes you miserable find something it's it's I, I know this sounds oversimplified and these are the sort of things that people say that feel like they are pie in the sky not grounded in reality things but there are always the world is full of things you can do yes you can life, always life is, do something else life is too short to be miserable 40 hours out of your week if not it, more it doesn't always feel that way and it might feel sometimes like there's no other option and i'm not saying quit today but make moves to uh, do something that makes you feel better about yourself. It, uh, it can be done. Don't, uh, don't be like the uh, character in this song. Although, again, it, at least on paper, the character of this song seems to be having a great time. He's loving it. He's making, he is he's enjoying making himself. He's, and, he is, yeah. 
and I think just to stress this, if we're getting serious, we're getting serious. We're pulling Let's up get serious. I'm sitting be I'm sitting backwards on this chair with my hat backwards, so all the kids know that I'm relatable. Wow. Uh, <laughs> but but uh, you know that doesn't necessarily also mean literally follow what Matt and I have done, where it's like, oh, we're just freelance working for ourselves. Like, oh, yeah. side note, that is a lot more work. <laughs> Like that is my, my when I told my dad I was quitting my job. The best advice he ever gave me was he just said, "If you're working freelance, it will either be the hardest high-paying job of your life or the easiest low-paying job of your life, and only you can decide that." There you go. So like, there you go. Yeah, it's a lot of work. I I'm making enough money to pay my mortgage, which is dope. I don't see a lot of my friends and family nearly as much as I, I was going like to say. I mean, in the uh, yeah, no, in the worlds that I'm in, you know, like. Uh, the the upside and the thing that honestly like on certain days when i think about the office people like knowing that you're going to get a check every friday and knowing what the dollar amount on that check is every friday is a luxury that i don't have yeah i i've, I, I've I had a year know. filled with a lot of loss you know what i would give for a bereavement pay yeah <laughs> you exactly, know what i mean like exactly there are benefits but what we're saying is there are jobs that are out there that are desk jobs that are founded by like younger, more in touch people who maybe haven't leaned so hard into the let's pay people as little as we possibly can oh, and yeah, make them no, feel like army ants yeah. too. So yeah. we're not saying that you just have to straight up quit your job and f- make whatever your passion is your full-time career. That's yes. not for everybody. But if your job is treating you like shit, there are jobs out there that will not be treating you like shit. Don't you just be have to treated like shit, guys. Yes. We care you about you, to. and we want you to be treated well. You yes. deserve to be treated well. You deserve to feel good about what you do. I, I feel like I'm on a different podcast all of a sudden. Yeah, we've changed it up. Let's we get really it back have, to... But this is great. No, no, no. I, I'm, I'm into it. This is, this yeah. is worthwhile stuff we're doing here. This is good. But it's because of this. Because of the emotions that this song has brought out in us, this is why Dog Eat Dog is going to be in my top five right now for original songs at number four in between This Is The Life and One More Minute. That's a great position for <laughs> uh, for this song. I'm going to put it... I'm going to go even a little bit higher than you. And I'm going to put this at number three. Ooh, between in between Nature, Nature Trail, Trail to, Hell. to Hell and I'll Be Mellow When I'm Dead. Wow. Yeah, no, I, I really love this song. And I think if there's any like final takeaway on this, this is the sort of thing that is interesting for me to think about as an Al fan, is think about how much this is a Talking Heads song. I, for people who are listening, if you are familiar with Talking Heads in, in, in general, if you're not another act that I cannot recommend enough, you take a listen to. But... It's so interesting to me that as much as this is a Talking Heads song, nobody would ever accuse the Talking Heads of being a novelty band or a band that makes comedy music. And yet, Al, a person who makes novelty comedy music by almost every measure, it's just so interesting that when it's in his hands, it has that slant to it in a way that you just would never think of with... uh, if the talking heads had done it yeah no it's, it's so subjective it's so um uh, and it just makes me feel even more about like i al i heard forever ago make the point that like people say that he makes novelty music and he's like you say that like it's a bad thing yeah um, well it's it also it, comes it, down to an element for me where it's just like al is known as a comedy musician yeah and there is a lot of reasons to say that about al but when you look at like our rankings of 
his originals right now. You know what I mean? Like, what do what do songs like Dare to be Stupid, Nature Trail to Hell, This is the Life, Dog Eat Dog, and even I'll Be Mellow When I'm Dead have in common? But like, they're not that funny. <laughs> you know no, what I mean? Like, that funny. Yeah, they're, they're they're more that he is tapped in to the very essence of what makes the genre of music that he is coming after in those. Yeah. So he taps into it so strongly that you could play that for someone and not tell them that it's Weird Al and they would just think it is a regular Broadway song or a regular horror movie theme or a totally. regular Talking Head or Devo song. Totally. Like, that is that is his greatest gift of a songwriter is not his comedic slant, but it's his ability to perfectly parrot not just an artist or a genre, but the very essence and the ethos that is behind that artist and that genre when yeah. the time comes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, it's it's just, I don't know, you know, for as much as we talk, and we're going to continue talking about like how funny these songs are and how much they make us laugh, the idea, like, the parody is not entirely about that. And I'm saying this almost as a reminder to myself in the same way as I am to you, the listener, that you can do a parody of an artist like he does here. And the thing that makes it so delightful is not that it's laugh out loud jokes, but that it is just this incredible experience of hearing something repurposed and re like reimagined and just twisted in this in this very specific way. It's just another example of how Al does not get as much as I feel like we are at a time right now in the, you know, as this episode comes out where Al is, could not be more beloved in general. And boy, I hope nothing happens to Al between now and the release of this episode to change that. But um, <laughs> he is at like peak. Everybody loves this man. And it's not only because he just makes funny jokes. No, I think that that's exactly he, it's so it. much more so- than that. And he still doesn't get enough credit. That was the real point I was trying to make. Despite how beloved he is, I still feel like he is underrated for his ability to do stuff like what he does in Dog Eat Dog. Yes, 100%. And that's and this is not the end of us having these statements. Like I can think of at least five more style parodies just in the next three or four albums that we have around the horizon. Oh, yeah. Where I'm like, uh, this is a prime example of him not tapping into what's the funniest thing to do with that song, but what is the closest to what that artist's music would be totally. if he was to write a song for them. And totally. that's why, to this day, if there's one thing that I can wish into the universe is like, I still want an album where we get to hear Talking Heads actually play Dog Eat Dog and oh like Devo God. actually play Dare to be Stupid. Like, I feel like this could happen and I would love for it to happen where you just get those artists to do what their yeah. version, even if they never, even better, just give them the lyrics and tell them not to listen to Al's version. And just based on the lyrics that he wrote, what would their version of that <laughs> song sound like? That's a fun like? idea. That's a fun idea. <laughs> like, I uh, but, I mean, I don't, the, the Talking Heads have not played together in many years. And by every measure, I, I can't imagine that they will, unfortunately. But, um, well, but boy, one time boy, only for Al, maybe. <laughs> one time only for Al, maybe, maybe uh, David Byrne puts some stuff aside. I know those guys just have not. It's been a long time. Yeah. But it's you know what? I also respect a band who breaks up and stays broke. <laughs> I, I, I have such respect for, um, yeah, no, they've just, you, you know what uh, David Byrne, I, David Byrne said about 
our Talking Heads reunion, I heard an interview with him um, where uh, he was asked about it. And he likened it to the uh, the idea of like, he said, it's like a, like your high school ex-girlfriend. He's like, and you you look back and you have such fond memories. It's like, oh man, like remember those times that was really great. We had such a good time together. He's like, and now imagine being told like, great. Do you and her want to get back together and like just travel around the world for a year? You'd be like, <laughs> oh, I don't know about that. That yeah. seems like a lot. Maybe I'll just hang on to those positive memories and that's, that's good analogy. for me. Because the yeah. like the flip side, and this isn't a diss to bands that reunite. Bands reunite all the time, and that's great. Oh, it's totally but I think, fine, yeah. But I think of the bands, like, there's that infamous Van Halen quote when Van Halen got back together, and they were like, I thought you guys hated each other, and their answer was, we loved money more than we hated each other. And it's like, yeah. I don't want to see that. Like, like if you're, with Blink-182, as much as that band has, as much as Tom has left and then come back to that band, yeah. Very rarely do I ever feel like Tom has come back to that band because it's a financial decision. More often than not, it's been like, sadly, it's been Travis only die, almost dies, Mark almost dies. And in that moment of grief, he has the David Bryan situation, I guess, basically of like remembering all of those great times and deciding that he does want to go totally on a year long trip with his friends one last time. So, yeah, no, I I don't fault him for it. I think, again, bands can unite and reunite, but I also think it's palpable. I think I might have mentioned this, but when we talked about the police before, but I saw the police when they did their reunion tour and from where I was sitting, it felt very palpable to me that they were not having thrilled to be back together. And that, that was, was a way to make money. And from an audience perspective, it's, I mean, it's, it's a bummer. Like I, for me, I'm just like, just stay broken up. It's okay. I don't want to see you singing Roxanne against your will. I, I won't say any names cause you <gasps> toured with this band and Ooh. thus, and thus you were friends with this band. Um, but if you remember on the episode that we did of Teenage Dirtbag, Yes. Our guest talked about seeing Weedis live for the first time as the opener for a bigger band from the 90s. Yes. And his comparison was that just from where he was seated, he could tell that one band was a lead singer with a bunch of hired guns to back him up while he played the hits. Yep. And another band was a legitimate group of friends that were having fun on stage together. There and you go. it is true. You can tell, you can tell and feel when something is genuine and sure. when something is kind of a payday. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and again, the, by all means, get paid. Go yeah, out get and get paid. paid. Like it's it's totally fine. But I do think that, yeah, it, it's you can feel it. I I'm I'm glad. I would rather, like you said, like I, I wouldn't want to go see a talking head show where I look up there and David Byrne is like thinking to himself, uh, why <laughs> what what how did I get here? How did I get here? <laughs> You've been lost in the woods for hours now, stumbling around in the dark. You come around the bend and see two people roasting marshmallows over a roaring fire. They see you coming into the clearing and gesture over to pull up a log. Welcome to Campfire Ashes. I'm Paul. And I'm Jess. Join us as we tell each other our originally written spooky stories around the campfire and then dive into the lore and legends that inspired them. Is it something that goes bump in the night? Is it something menacing lurking past the tree line? Or is it just weird and otherworldly? You'll find it here on Campfire Ashes. You can find us on Spotify, Apple Music, Amazon Music, or right here on the Geekscape Network.
91 Donkey Lane is a magical apartment complex that contains immense power, but lacks intelligent inhabitants. What is happening? I'm getting texts. Why are we getting a lot of texts? People found out what we did. Oh, dividing Mike Myers into an infinite amount of tiny Mike Myers. Listen to 91 Donkey Lane for free on Spotify or your favorite podcasting app. More at 91donkeylane.com. See you there, you donkeys. You're listening to the Geekscape Network.